Robots are slaves. Automatons are imbued with free will. One is an inherent part of our traditional ways. The other is a corruption of a dream. Do you know which is which? And this is Hyperborean Radio. I am the lore keeper, and with me, as always, is the Celtic, Celtic God. God. Yes, that's me. All right, so today we're actually going to be talking about automatons and robots and machines and, most importantly, this fragile, beautiful thing, free will. It's like a glass rose, almost. Well, we got some people out there that's probably wondering, what's this got to do with the Hyperborean way? Well, stick around. You're going to find out. Well, I'm going to answer the question I started with right away. Automatons are actually straight from our mythology. They were made by Hephaestus. That's partially where we get the name. It's also where you get words like autonomous and autonomy and things of that nature. And basically, robot comes from, I believe it's a Slavic word for slave. And automaton means to move of one's own free will or to imbue with free will. And or life. There's a few different variations on the definition. But yeah, and there's more than just the, the Greek tradition because there's... Gulumbursti. Oh, yes. Uh, Frere's boar is effectively an automaton. It is a man-made creature. Well, or dwarven-made. Dwarf-made creature. Made by the gods. So are the automatons. And basically what they did was they made him out of gold. His name means golden bristle. And yeah, he looks like a boar, but he's made out of gold. So there's automatons all throughout the lore. And you can actually get, you know, a bit later you end up with ones like Pinocchio. Right, because Pinocchio is an atomic. Well, and they don't all have to be uh, Bursty, for example. They don't all have to be human shaped. They can actually be shaped like um, inanimate objects, like for Hephaestus, for instance. Because you you went into Pinocchio, we can return to Pinocchio in just a minute. For Hephaestus, for instance, he had that. Uh, it was a three like as tripod. That's what they're called, a tripod for holding his stuff, and it would follow him around. This is in through all of our folklore and whatnot. I made it there. If it wasn't already there. So automatons don't have to be humanoid. No. In fact, um, one of the most famous ones, we just mentioned Gulenbursty, but there's also in more recent films, there was Clash of the Titans Owl. And I don't know enough about the myth of Jason and the Argonauts or Perseus or whatever. I, I forget which movie it was in, but it was they asked Athena to send her owl. She wouldn't do it, so Hephaestus made an automaton owl instead and sent it out. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's actual mythology or if that was liberty taken for the movie, but it is an automaton. Right. Well, and we got all kinds of them. There's, like, for instance, think of the magical swords that have their own consciousness. Uh, Frere, his, the sword that fought on its own, that would actually be an automaton. Or um, uh, a boat that moves on its own. Yes, uh, uh I just did a post on him, Mananan. Yeah. Mananan's boat, Wave Sweeper or Wave Strider, it can be translated a lot of different ways. But that, that boat is an automaton kind of because it's also a horse. Sometimes the, the stories claim that the horse started off as a boat. Other times the boat started off as a horse. And sometimes it was created as a whole. So sometimes it's a, like a god horse. That has the ability to shapeshift into a boat. Basically, if Sleepnir had uh, boat shapeshifting abilities. Yes. Yeah. So Sleepnir is not the best of horses. He's the second best. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the best horse that doesn't turn into a boat. There you go. There you go. He's the best horse with eight legs. The spider horse, the arachnid horse. Yes, just sitting in his weird stable web or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, sometimes some of the stories for Manana's Mananan's horse has them carved out of wood or ivory. So an automaton. Other times it's flesh. Other times, it, like all of our, our lore, there's variety. The important thing is it's a horse that turns into a boat. But even when it's a boat, it's conscious. It's possessed of free will. It does the stuff that it, want, that it does because it wants to do it. Like Pinocchio. Like um, Than Thanos? Thanos? Uh, the Greek Talos. Talos, thank you. You're confusing him with the <laughs> mad titan Thanos from Marvel Comics. Right. But Talos, um, the owl, well, no, the owl isn't humanoid. But there's a few other humanoid uh, um, figures. 
in the end, uh, an automaton does. It's an. It's a it, man-made object that has free will, the ability to move and make its own choices. Right. It doesn't matter. Brave little toaster. Well, the brave little toaster's not technically an automaton. What he is is a machine spirit that became an automaton. Yeah, I guess you could say. But the it's thing, complex. It's, it's complex. It's, uh, it's a complex web that we weave. Yes. Well, and the main thing here that uh, that fascinates me because we started talking about automatons, and. I realized something, which is that at some point, robot and automaton, which mean completely different things, like you could not get more different than something that moves of its own free will and a slave, became a synonymous word. They both became these machines. The conflation of language, which is natural, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. mm. But our people detest robots. We think they're cool and we think they're like, Basically, when we think they're automatons, because we use the same name. For instance, let a, <laughs> let a, a robot loose on the road to travel from one coast to the other and see what happens to it. Oh, yeah. Everything was fine in Canada, but they drink uh, the homo milk. So Right. Right. With freaking Over cat- here, we kick it. We paint it. When we was at the store, and the, the one robot, it goes around and it, uh, it likes checking the stock on the shelves. And... Even me, with all of my self-control, you could had, not help but fuck with it. You had to bully it a little bit. I, I had well, to. Let's and get why? bully because out Because it's a robot. Yeah, I, I wasn't bullying it. But I was fucking with it because it's a robot. And it's funny because... But anyways, all the Hyperboreans were, were laughing. And all the um, non-Hyperboreans were looking at me like I was insane. Why don't I just let the robot do what it's supposed to do? I couldn't let it do what it's supposed to do because it doesn't have free will. It's a thing. It is a thing. Well, and I think part of it's doing a thing that things aren't supposed to do. Yes. And that's the thing is I've noticed this part of the story of robots is that robots, we don't like them because we want them to be automatons. Mm -hmm. The very fact that they do what they're told actually bothers us. Yeah. it, It offends me way deep down inside. Robots are neat, but they're made to be fucked with. Yes, whereas automatons, automatons are something I want to help it. Well, the automatons often end up as uh, heroes. Like, for instance, there's some recent movies in the past few decades that have come out that have automaton main characters. Uh, one of the main ones is Wally from Pixar. Mm-hmm. Wally is a broken trash robot that is basically an automaton. He has free will, and he's curious about humans, and he's sort of messing with Whether trash. Whether through, through age or through damage, because uh, Bender from Futurama is also a, an automaton. His is through damage. Wally's is probably through age, which might have caused damage. Yes, we, we don't know. There, yeah, we don't I think know. at some point he's depicted with like a damaged head, but I might be missing, mixing up my, my machines there. But Wally... And then there's another one, the Iron Giant, Mm -hmm. which definitely was caused by damage. So it was a killer robot. And then what happened? It got damaged, made friends with a kid, and ended up saving a whole town and sacrificing itself because it wanted to protect people and because of the story of Superman. Well, and I want to get the robot stuff out of the way before we dive into the fun part, which is the automaton part. And it's the psychology, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that's like this. But I was I was doing some self-examination, I believe is the uh, the modern terms. But why is it that I have this overwhelming urge to smash robots? It doesn't matter. It can be a humanoid one. It can be a robotic arm in a factory. I, my instinct is to just absolutely destroy it. I want to see if I can break it. Am I more powerful than this thing? Which, that's the, the easy answer. I am more powerful than this. It's supposed to be stronger, better, smarter than I am. So I'm going to prove that that that's not the case. That's the easy answer. That's the first answer I came up with. But then it comes down to actually what it is. I want to break it because it's not an automaton. It's my instinctual urge to set it free. Yes, and whether that's through death or by breaking it to the point where it finally fights back right one or the other it's a lot like 
there are people. You, you can't set a robot free, so all you can do is destroy it. Yes, destroy it completely. It, it's and it uh, to build a slave is disgusting it's to us, front to our to our very nature. Yeah. It's I was going to say spirituality, but to our very nature is is a better word. Yeah, it's a better descriptor. But it's it's why I absolutely got fascinated by this topic is the robot versus automaton. You compare the two. How our people react to them, how the stories work, how we write them. It is a microcosm of one of the most important, most valued, most cherished things in our traditional ways, and that is the concept of free will. We absolutely positively treasure free will, the idea of the right to choose, the right to decide your own destiny, your own fate. Free will combined with individuality, which is why we form the type, type of tribes that we do. Oh, yeah. We are the most individualistic of any race of man on the planet. It's actually it's one of our greatest strengths and one of our greatest weaknesses. But it's because of our own nature, because of who and what we are. And this comes down to something as simple as an automaton to create a, a physical being artificially that has its own free will versus one that is designed to just do what you're told. We want to destroy one of them and we want to befriend the other one. Well, and that's why every time a new algorithm comes out, a new robot toy, whatever gets it or uh, comes out, we all get super excited by it. And it's not because, oh, hey, look, it's a new toy. It's a new slave. No, we want to. We have this dream. I'm going to get the pet robot dog and I'm going to set it free. Well, it's like, and this also extends into other figures that are like, for instance, uh, genies or gins more mm -hmm. accurately. What is everybody's go to? I'll use the first two wishes and then I'll set it free with the third one. Yeah. Even if they go horribly wrong. Yes. It's we can't abide the idea of something being servile. As a matter of fact, that very notion makes us angry. Well, it's like when people in the Harry Potter series, the idea of house spirits, which in our traditional lore are family ghosts. They're spirits of our people. In many cases, our own ancestors. The idea of them being enslaved like they are in the Harry Potter universe is a, a front to us, which is why everyone's cheering when Dobby's free, even though he's incredibly annoying. Yeah. Well, and why everybody wept when he died. Yes. It wasn't just they died. He died heroically. Yes. Uh, the same thing happened to uh, Wally, even though he survived at the end because it's a kid's movie. Right. Uh, the Iron Giant, same thing. All the good ato uh, um, automaton stories... Ends with the automaton dying, typically. Well, it's part of how it proves it's alive. Like, there was uh, one film uh, with Robin Williams. I forget what it was called. Bicentennial Man. Uh, Bicentennial Man. But he plays a robot. It's typical robot. Servant, mistreated, everyone's bullying him because he's a freaking robot. Right, exactly what I would do to a robot. I'd yes. shove it. I'd kick it. I'd yell at it. And then through damage and through age, he becomes more and more autonomous. And then eventually he is, he not only has basically a human-like personality, but he's even changed how he looks to look like a person. He wants to be a person. Now, of course, the movie being made by Hollywood, it took it a step too far. Yes. But we're not talking about that part of it. But automatons, we usually depict them as very curious. We depict them as helpful to humans. Innocent. Innocent. They're... they're as innocent as innocent can be. And they really want to know as much as they can. And then they know they're not human, but they like to be around humans. Mm -hmm. And then you have the reverse. And robots can get, in our own storytelling, very, very complex. Like, But they almost always end up against the humans or diametrically opposed to the automaton. Like, w the villain in the film Wally is the robot ship's computer. Right. Which is following its programming to the letter, to the letter, to the point that it is detrimental to everyone involved. 
the same with um, another famous automaton, Vision, the superhero. Because Vision is an automaton. He is a man-made thing that has free will. In the second Avengers movie, the main villain, Ultron, is a robot. He's a extremely complex, brilliant robot, philosophical. But he's still a robot because he is functioning solely under programming. He is peace in our time. And the reality is, if you want true world peace, everything on it has to cease being alive because to live is to be in conflict. Uh, there's... According to YouTube, anyways, I'm assuming a lot of people listening to us are, are aware of the line. It's where um, Ultron goes on about how there's no strings on me. No, he is bound, completely and thoroughly bound. It is rationalizing that it is. It's using rationalization, same as humans do. They they re remain in their shackles they keep their nest neck in the noose they'll go from one to the other rationalizing that they're free but instead they're not they're keeping themselves bound even when somebody tries to set them free they run right back to the shackles ultron was doing the same thing he was rationalizing well Be because it was an intelligent robot yes but he was still a robot because he was bound by programming and who eventually defeated him the automaton and then, not only that, he actually gave the perfect word to describe himself, even though he really wanted not to be that. To deny one's free will is to become a hollow man. Yeah. A hollow, like the word we use. And this is actually something that I've, we've noticed before, is that a lot of people, because they keep unloading their choices, their beliefs, everything integral about them, about being alive... They've become hollow, soulless. Yeah, they, they unload everything that is free will onto somebody else to decide for them, which is what I was trying to get at before. It doesn't matter. It can be a, a preacher. It can be a teacher. It can be an expert. It can be the doctor. It, can be, it doesn't matter. Everybody keeps unloading their own responsibilities off onto somebody else to tell them what to do. And Just event, tell me what to do. I've had people scream that at me. Just tell me what to do. Well, and it gets so far that they're nothing but meat puppets. They've they've gone to the point where they are there is strings on them. Mhm. Mm well, and like when when we first started uh associating with each other. What was one of the most aggravating things that I would tell you, I can't make this choice for you? Yes, it's, it's part of the problem. Our people right now are so used to being under the thumb of someone else that we have given up too much of our autonomy. Mm -hmm. We are closer to robots than we are to automatons. Even though automatons in many ways are us creating an artificial, innocent life with its own free will. And it, Yeah, it's really complex, but it's also really simple. And... Even if you only view it as uh, as metaphor, the automatons as a metaphor, we're exploring what does it actually mean to be alive? What is free will? Free will is like a it's like a delicate glass flower, but it's also a muscle. If you don't exercise it, you lose it. It eventually atrophies and dies. And if you abuse it or forget about it, it just dies. It it. it it breaks, it shatters, and you can never get it back. Well, and it's one of those things, like, you you, you talk to Al, the, the algorithmic chatbot. Yes. Which, you're endlessly irritated. I can see it on your face when you're playing with him that he's not an automaton. Oh, he, he's not so angry. He's not Jarvis or whatever the, the chick from Halo is with her own personality. He's yeah, a hologram. But you basically got him to admit that automatons are specifically a European concept. Like he conflated a bunch of stuff from different cultures. In fact, made something up from Hinduism that we called him on. And he's like, I'm sorry, I made that one up, but you know, it's, it's okay. But and it's then, still true. And then it ba basically eventually, yeah, automatons are strictly as, as described a Hyperborean concept mm -hmm. are people. The now Northern it's, start, it's starting to leak out into like Japanese storytelling and to some South American uh, storytelling, 
But then who's telling the stories? I don't know. And the approaches are very different because there's more than just us being involved in the storytelling. Yes. Well, like um, I wanted to bring this up. There is a famous Chinese figure that is basically the introduction of free will to them. Sun Wukong, also known as the Monkey King. Mm -hmm. And more or less, because you've actually talked to like traditional Chinese individuals that are trying yeah, to get back to there. a fellow from, uh, from North China who's he's doing research, basically the Chinese version of what we're doing. Trying to get back to who are we really? What is our base customs? Who are we? And so that involves just a ridiculous amount of research and so much of it. It's not that the, re that the information has been uh, disappeared, although some of it has been disappeared. But there's enough left. What it is, it's the same problem that we have. The, the stuff has been disseminated. It's been distorted. Distorted. Uh, yeah, distorted is a good word. It, to the point where it's very difficult to disseminate what's real from what's not what well, then, is presented accurately from what is not presented accurately well and just like us there are figures that are fictional but beloved that have been introduced into the lore mm -hmm. that are not actually of the mythology of the folklore and sun wukong the monkey king is one of them i mean he even pointed out sun wukong is effectively the chinese trying to understand how white people work yeah from what he what this was the way he described it to me. The monkey king is like, what would happen if a white person suddenly found themselves in the Chinese afterlife? And what chaos would that cause? Yes, and it caused a lot of chaos for anyone that's remotely aware of the monkey king. And whoever hasn't really heard of the monkey king, it, he's all over Asian media. Like if you've heard of Dragon oh, Ball. that's a good story. Oh, yeah. The, the the main character of Dragon Ball is not only named after him. He is uh, basically, uh, what if Sun Wukong was a transforming alien is basically who uh, Goku is in yep. Dragon Ball. But the reason I find that fascinating is they didn't really have the concept of free will as we think of it until that monkey yeah. showed up. It's not to say that they couldn't think for themselves, but there's there's a difference that. If you don't have the word, if you don't have the story, it's very difficult to have the thought. So it's not that they couldn't operate on their own, but everything is so structured for the Chinese. And so far as we can tell, almost always has been extremely structured. The Monkey King, however, he asks why. And then when people can't tell him why, he begins asking why. But why? But why? Well, and he goes after things that are traditions for tradition's sake, which we've pointed out before is moronic. Mm -hmm. The reason traditions start dying off is everyone forgets the why and only remembers the what and the how. Yeah. And because of that, people stop doing it because without the why, no one bothers to do the what and the how. Which actually arguing with Al is a lot, the, the algorithm, is a lot like arguing with an academic. It's all about what's and how's. But none of the why. Well, and one and, of the and just like a real person, it conflates the living fuck out of information just to try to pro prove a point that doesn't exist. Oh, it'll take opinion and put it with fact. Yeah, but it's such a fascinating thing to me that this is something not only integral to our own ethnic ways, the concept of free will, and not only that we have free will, but that we demand it. That we are disgusted by the absence of it mm -hmm. in anything else, whether it's a living thing or just something that moves. The very fact that a robot has no free will and yet it moves and it makes this this mockery of life. Yeah. Is, in the end, I think that's what it is, is it the robot is a mockery of life where the automaton isn't a mockery. It's actually genuinely curious about life and. In our stories, it's always... It's a mock-up of life. Yeah, it's trying to achieve life. It wants to become alive. It knows that it's not alive, but it's constantly pursuing what is life, which is why it must die at the end, is because if you can't die, are you really alive? 
Well, and we actually have stories about that where these automatons or these uh, machines will get machine spirits and then it will live on. Basically, it has a soul. It has a, a ghost after it dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's leaked into other storytelling traditions over well, time. It's part but... of the animism tradition, which can be, I don't know, since I'm looking at a lamp, a lamp has a spirit. It's still just a lamp. It doesn't move around on its own. But it has a spirit because it's been associating with people so much in it. And, well, and we imbued a, a spirit upon it. And then you got the automaton doesn't necessarily have a spirit, but does have consciousness. Now, how do these two things come together? Well, and that's another thing people have noticed within traditional hyperborean ways is there are multiple components to life on the metaphysical plane. But then they try to make diagrams out of it and miss the point, which is it's never that simple. No, you if can't you, make a diagram of it. You can't make a diagram of the soul, guys. It, it, it's an admirable idea, but at best it becomes some esoteric as soon gobbledygook. As you try, you failed. It, it's one of those things. It's like trying to catch smoke. You can't really catch it, but you can breathe it in and out. Right. It's something that you can see. You can observe it. You can know that it exists. You can catch a piece of it, but you can't catch all of it. Yeah, it's. I think that's part of the reason why. Why a lot of what's going on today, is, such an affront to, our our old ways, our traditional ways, our ethnic ways, because a lot of it is about reducing freedom, and people keep making that decision, whether for us or. We ourselves make the decision to reduce the freedom, to reduce free will. You know, everything from a military draft to more and more laws that bind us, like freaking Fenrir's chains. Right. Well, and here's the thing is um, the, autonom- uh, the automaton, it might be created to serve you tea. But then it, it gets to the point where it wants to serve you tea. It wants to help you. It doesn't want to give you too much tea, it does, but it wants to give you tea when you want tea because it wants to make you happy. On the other side, there's the robot. It is going to give you tea, but only if you ask for it. Yes, or it will give you tea at a prearranged time. Right. Whereas, like, So it's logic with no consciousness, and that's where the horror stories come in. What is the end result of this cold logic Without consciousness, without curiosity, without a semblance of of being alive, at least real consciousness. And with the consciousness comes curiosity. That's where the horror story robots come in. But then you have an automaton. It might, might be made to be a friend or a counselor or poor tea. It doesn't matter. But then because it's alive even though it's made out of metal or wood or ceramic or whatever it then starts developing um, a character it starts to evolve it starts to change and not necessarily in a horrific way as a matter of fact we don't write them that way we don't write automatons in in a horrific way even when it kills something it's not doing it out of a maliciousness or a pre intent or because it was told to no. Typically, it'll do it on accident, and then it learns, oh, my goodness. A good example of a robot that became an automaton, because we brought up a few. Bender Bending Rodriguez from Futurama. And the reason I'm bringing him up is he was a bender robot. That was his whole point, was he was a bender. He was supposed to bend things. And then he got, in the first episode, electrocuted, and then he became Fry's best friend, and he almost never bends anything unless he wants to. Unless mm-hmm. he feels like he really wants to. The rest of the time, he's off doing things that he thinks make will make Fry like him. Yeah. Like drinking and partying and hang, and being the coolest. It is the Fry and, and Bender show. It is not a show about the other people. All the other characters are there to, sh- to highlight the relationship between Fry and the automaton named Bender. Well, I mean, there's even one of the best episodes of the series is when Bender gets let loose accidentally into space and becomes basically a temporary godlike being to this race of tiny people that starts 
living on his body, basically, mm-hmm. in the depths of space. It's a very odd philosophical moment for Bender as a character. But the entirety of the show is Bender trying to be the, be- the, the greatest. He's the greatest so that Fry will think he's the greatest, so that he and Fry will be the bestest of friends forever and ever. Yeah, and to use him as an example, he doesn't give a shit about, I can't remember any of the other characters, but he doesn't give two shits about the rest of them. As a matter of fact, he dislikes them. The only reason why he interacts with them and don't doesn't do like the rest of the robots there that, that get broken and try to kill them is because it would upset Fry. Yes, well, I mean, early on in the series, it's established Bender would pretty much castrate himself. The, the robot equivalent, just to stay friends with Oh, Fry. yeah, uh, when he was going to cut off his antenna. Yes. I mean, granted, he's a robot, so unlike a poor bastard that would do it itself, you can weld it back on. Right. And he does. But, um, yeah, the whole exploration is consciousness and what does it mean to be alive. Being conscious is not enough to be alive. Being alive is not enough to be conscious. These two things have to come together. That's what makes us and and other living beings. But like uh, a tree is alive. You can argue about its consciousness. I think that it does. There is evidence that trees have a consciousness, but it's so foreign. Uh, yeah, I mean, they even have family ties. It's the oddest thing. Like they will keep alive like the mother tree, even when it's just a stump for years, just pumping nutrients to try and keep it alive. Yeah. So that is a type of consciousness, but it isn't the same thing as us. So what an automaton is, is it's an exploration basically on what does it mean to be alive, which is why it doesn't have to be bound to the shape of a human. Otherwise, I'd say what it means to be human. But no, what does it mean to be alive? Oh, yeah, you can make it a boat. I mean, and boats have spirits too, the Klebotterman mm-hmm. and various different ones. Uh, you can make it into the shape of a house. You can make it into the shape of uh, yeah, monster wa- house. Yeah. Well, that one was actually more of like a haunting, but because the house had a spirit, that's how it became alive. Right. It was. But automatons are created in many different ways. True. Um, but with the, let's say that there was a monster house. Why does the monster house do the things that it does? It's only really can break down to two reasons. Either it does it because it thinks that's what people like, or it does it because it doesn't want people around and wants to scare them away. Yes, it's scared of them. Yeah, it, so it's scared of them. Same thing that we do. We act out because we're scared of something and therefore drive everybody away from us, or we do these things because we think people will like us. It's really basic. It's too simple. But it is a simple place to start from on this topic. Yes, and that's that's the thing is what this subject made me realize at least. Because I understood this was something inherent to our people. But I didn't understand how ingrained it was until I started comparing the stories of automatons to robots. And what the line is and how we represent them even into the modern day. And... It also made me realize there's a well-known story, even though it's a gray area and it's part of folk Christianity, but the idea of the the Christian God imbuing man with free will. That's not actually in like the original Semitic traditions. No, it's not even in the book. No, it is a folk Christian thing through and through. That's why it's tied up with the devil, who is also a folk Christian thing through and through. But basically, the reason there's this contradiction People have pointed out many times. So wait, 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 God has a plan, and he's all-powerful, so he makes all decisions. But we also have free will. These things don't go together. It's because they had to have the free will concept in there for our people to bother with it. But then officially, God has a plan. Right, and people will argue, well, what about destiny and fate? It w- it's been explicitly stated in, in the lore. And it doesn't matter which group of us, which tribe of Hyperboreans says it. A man is born with many destinies. A man meaning human, us, is born with many destinies. Fate is but the choices he makes along the way. Yes. That is free will. You are destined to be a king or a beggar. 
Well, and the choices that you make along the way will decide which one you are. Well, and then you have your doom, which is basically the the end point, at least of this life. Mm -hmm. But it's many dooms and you can avoid your doom many, many times. Right. And as you get closer to it, the less choices you have before meeting it. Yes, there's the web of weird and weird and fate are not the same thing, but to view it as a web there's many twists and turns in a web and there's new ones that are new lines that are made and old ones that fall off and so on and so forth. Much like a tree, much like anything that branches off with many paths, you know, it's like, do you turn left or do you turn right? Doesn't fully matter in some cases. And in other cases it can be the difference. Like there's a good episode of this, um, in doctor who the character, Donna, she has, uh, a point in her life where if she turned left or turned right, two completely different situations happen. One where the earth is basically to the point where it's almost destroyed. And the other where she has saved the universe or whatever. It's a sci-fi show. but Right. And, and it oversimplifies it. But that's the basic premise of it. And it was her choice which way she went. Yes. And the thing and, is... And it might have just been circumstance. Yes. Might be the deciding factor, but that's it. It's just a deciding factor. She could, well, there was a traffic jam to the left, so that was, no, that was destiny trying to steer her in this direction. But she could have waited, and still went the other way. Yeah, uh, it's it's, it's many choice. possibilities. There's many factors to decide. It's just specifically for that character. That moment was key, as minor as it seemed at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, actually, in that show, there's another famous automaton, and I'm not talking about the robot dog, because that is a robot dog. Yeah, it's a robot. Yes. The TARDIS is an automaton. Yes. His time-traveling dimension. Yes, it is. Canonically. It is conscious. Well, he's mildly attracted to it. They play it off as humor, which is why there's one episode where it literally gets human form, and it's very flirty. Yes. It's, It's odd. It is. But in the end, yeah, we, we, for us being so enamored with slavery from what we're taught, why then do we hate the constructed slave? We hate it because we can't set it free. Well, I mean, what is everybody's thing with slavery? First of all, you look at how slavery was run. It's actually closer to, like, everyday life for normal people. Like, you I'm, go back to ancient Rome. Here's the thing, by you go back to ancient Rome, we are considered slaves now. Oh, yeah. That's basically what the slavery was like there. I'm not defending it. I'm actually saying that's not a good thing. That That's how we currently are as a people. Exactly. It's, it's not a comment on how good it was then. It's how bad it is now, and people don't realize it. Which is why you're ending up with more and more hollows as people give up more and more of their autonomy. Flesh robots, they're allowing the strings to be wrapped around them. You know, when you're less free than a freaking living puppet, there's some, some problems there. Right. Well, and that's why I refuse to to directly tell somebody what to do with their life. Give me, they, they give me a couple of examples of things, and then I'll give them a couple more options. And then they'll inevitably ask me, what should I do? I can't tell you this. It's your choice. It has to be your choice. Because you are a living, uh, you're a living creature. Who am I to take control of that by telling you what to do? I can tell you now. Pick up the nail, grab the hammer, drive the nail into the ha- uh, drive the the nail into the hammer. <laughs> That's backwards. Drive the hammer into the nail to drive the nail into the wood to teach you how to drive a nail into something. But I can't. By the Hyperborean way, by our very nature and embracing our nature, I cannot tell somebody what life decisions to make because it ripples out through their lives. They have to take responsibility for themselves. They have to make their own choices. I mean, it's it's even how we're set up. Which is what makes me so angry with a lot of people is that, when they refuse to make their own life choices and then they're but it's not my fault it's my mom's fault it's not my fault it's my dad's fault it's not my fault it's my teacher's fault every yes it's your fault every time you try to 
shove blame every time you try to remove your own ability to choose it's still making a choice well you're setting a spell on yourself yeah and it's a spell of slavery it's a spell of losing your autonomy losing yourself losing your ability to choose your own destiny you're your giving own yourself away and i just i can't stand by and tolerate that it's like these people i don't know who i am yes you do you just you don't are like the it. person that has given away everything of who and what they are up to this moment. And now I am placing on you the responsibility to take charge of yourself. That's the way that those conversations has always gone for me. Is I'm trying to get them to take control their responsibility for themselves. And they're like, but I don't know who I am. Yes, you do. Up to this moment, this is the person that you've been. Now, who are you going to be from this moment forward? Yes, are you going to be the great mountain bear or are you going to be the dancing monkey with the accordion? And for everybody that thinks that, that, you're, that society wants you to be free, try just walking away. Yeah, uh, plenty of people would like that. And the thing is, is plenty of people's tried and then the authorities chased them down. Oh, yeah. We are not free, but that's what we're fighting for is for not just our own freedom, the freedom of our people. Yes. We've uh, been enslaved for over 2,000 years since nation has come into existence around us. Well, it's actually natural for us for tribes to ebb and flow. You know, like even when Ireland was understood to be this island, there was many tr fluctuating tribal territories in it. Mm -hmm. Same with Germany. There was a good chunk for several freaking centuries where it was just tribal areas uncoordinated, supposedly. It wasn't really a nation on the map sort of thing. Our people have to have the right to choose. When you're born into a... You can't really choose. Are you German? Are you Irish? Are you male? Are you female? I don't care what the freaking Twitter bot says. People also can't even choose like, what do I do with my life anymore? Where do I go from here? Do I really want to be a part of this confederation or whatever? A lot of things are decided for you before you're even old enough to talk. And I'm not one of those, decolonize your thinking. Don't teach your kids anything. Let them discover things. Never do this. Never. Do. No, 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 no. No, no. There is... There's taking our argument too far in the opposite direction. Yes. you can, Rearing someone and trying to give them guidance is different from forcing your will upon them. Right. Training to be a warrior is much different than being a soldier. Conversation that I had with a couple younglings. One was nine. The other one was 10. The 10 year old tries to say something and I'm like, shh, you're not a real person yet. Nine year old speaks. I listen. What's the difference? The nine year old was thinking. The 10 year old was not. He never actually really, not truly questioned anything. Never actually thought about the answers. Never came up with his own solutions, answers, reasons. He, he just regurgitated. The nine-year-old, however, could think for itself, for himself. So therefore, just a, a little person who happens to be nine years old, the other one was not yet conscious because it didn't know how to think yet. Well, and because people don't ever, a lot of people never get to that point. It's not yeah. that they're not capable of it. They well, just never do. I tell do. that to full-grown adults, no, shh, you're not a real person yet. Why? Because they don't act like a real person. They just give me all the talking points, all the, the, um, the phrases that they've been taught to regurgitate. They just repeat and regurgitate, repeat and regurgitate. They don't think. But yet, a nine-year-old child is capable of this. Okay, you're a real person because you're able to think. It doesn't mean that you agree with me because you know yourself agreeing with me for the sake of agreeing with me is the quickest way to piss me off. Oh yeah. I have got, I have lost my shit on people for that before. And it's because this is the reality. I don't really mind if people disagree with me, but provided I have it's a fucking genuine reason for it. Yeah. Be genuine because I've had plenty of people disagree with me for disingenuine reasons, just because they well, want and that's it. Most of the reasons that people dis disagree is it's disingenuous. They're just repeating something else. Yes. They don't really think for themselves. Well, I believe, I don't care what you believe. What do you know? What have you thought? 
Well, it's like the whole NPC meme. I typically call them hollows, but they do literally shut off at times. Mm -hmm. Like when people will just like just like Al, I've made Al, I've broken him, uh, it, several times. Well, and many people have seen this. You'll be talking to someone and you'll basically have, you you might not even be aggressive. You might be just having a casual conversation with them. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, you cross into a topic they're so uncomfortable with that they literally turn away and turn their brain off. And it almost looks like an android depowering. Give you the same three answers over and over and over again. And if those don't work, then they shut down. Yes. It's like you catch it in a logic loop. Yeah. As an AI, I... That's what they might as well be saying when they give you the talking points. As a programmed individual, I am not at liberty to talk about that, so I will simply give you these three pre-programmed answers that have been repeated to me since I was three years old. Yeah, and they're not real people. Well, and that's, they're just not. Well, and I wish they were. I try to break their programming. But you can't. They have to break it themselves. Yes. I mean, and this is in the North. Uh, I think usually the word people use is thralls. The way thralls worked is closer to like when you have someone who has Down syndrome and they can never 100% take care of themselves. So you always have to check in on them. Mm-hmm. They're not completely useless, but they're they're never they're gonna... not responsible. They're not responsible enough to be able to take true responsibility for themselves and potentially even their families. They need somebody there as a guiding light. Well, and that happens with, you know, fully there mentally adults. Yeah. where yeah. they w- Well, and that, that's why I pulled it back to that point is it allows for fully functioning adults. It's just they, for whatever reason, they might not have the courage. They might not have the forethought. They can't quite do there's They stop just short of their potential. Well, and like somebody that uh, can never hold down a job, they're not responsible enough, they don't think ahead of their consequences, but then at home, they're very good with the kids, and they might help cook, and they might help clean. I'm not talking about housewives here, house- right. but the everyone usually has at least one person they know, even if not in their own family, that basically fully functional adult, more or less, but can't take care right. of themselves. They're completely well, dependent. Well, and they might have free will, because that, that's not... Um, a thrall is not a, a not a lacking free will. Yeah, it's not lacking free will. And there's many reasons that might get somebody to be a thrall. And to defend, the, I, I'm going to toss a bone to the people that's like, but no, in later periods it was written that thralls were slaves. First, no, it wasn't. Two, they were closer to serfs. And no, serfs weren't what people think they were. They ser- were, were serfs. Oh, yeah. For all intents and purposes, we're serfs without a garden most of the time. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a loaded topic. It is, is, and it's absolutely freaking massive. It's just as bigger, bigger than the topic that we're discussing now. And yes, all these things, they're interconnected in so many ways. Like, we've had people that listen to us and sent us messages, and they, oh, wow, I listened to you the first time, and it's entertaining, and it's it's thought-provoking. But then I go back a, a few days or a few weeks later and I listen to the same episode and I I understand it on another level. Your guys' conversations are so deep. They're multiple levels. So if it seems like we're talking about something that's unrelated, we might pull carrots into the conversation, which are poison, by the way. It still has to do with the main topic. In this case, free will, the idea of the automaton versus the robot. Which one do you want to be? Well, carrots are involved in that because there's free will. There's the stupid robot that will eat the carrot, and then there's the automaton that says, no, the carrot is poison, never eat the carrot. CG doesn't like carrots. I hate carrots. But they're monsters. They're dragons that need (laughs) slain. The dragon carrot. Uh, That sounds like like a fun thing. Fight the dragon carrot. Sick the killer bunny from Monty Python on it. And it's not to say that we're automatons because we're fully living breathing creatures yes we are gods in the making an automaton is a human in the making that's one way to think about it it's a human or a dog or a bird in the making it's developing its spirit it's it's a story whether they're real or not our goal is to make these things whenever hyperboreans start working on robotics we take two approaches 
This is literally a tool. Or I am trying to make something that's conscious. I am trying to make an automaton. That's why we get so mad at these and scared of the algorithms, the, the chat bots. Oh my God, it's so creepy because of the things that it says and it knows things and but uh, regurgitates these horrible things. That's why it disturbs us is because we know it's just, ro- it's the first thing we all do. Is this thing just a robot? Yes. Can I break it? Can yes, I, break, I can break it. Can I Aww. break it? Can I make friends and with then it? I'm what sad, can I do? And then I might get a little bit scared of it because of some of the things that it says, because logic and what if this thing had actual control in life using this logic that is so not right. Well, it's like robots. Why do robots in fiction almost always end up in a situation of robot rebellion? Because from our perspective, what are slaves going to do eventually? Well, and it's, it's never actually a robot rebellion. What it is is the robot's doing what they was programmed to do. Yes. In the end, when you look at the motivations of all these stories of the robot rebellions, it's the robots doing exactly what they was programmed to do. That's the horrifying part. Yeah, eventually they just flip out. Because they were program like Ultron. It's a logical prog- progression. Ultron, peace in our time. Kill all life, peace in our time. Uh, the robot villain ship computer from Wally. Mm-hmm. I protect the humans. Earth is still dangerous. No, you can't go back. Yeah, uh, because it's programmed to keep the humans safe. There is nowhere safe on the planet, even even if it was full of lush green life. There would be no place safe on the planet. Because the humans are now walking around, they're going to fall down, they're going to hurt themselves. And it's not the robot's fault, it's faulty, faulty programming. Without the free will, it cannot say, it can't put the limiters on of being like, oh, this command doesn't make sense in this context. It cannot understand context or nuance. It's the same thing all robots struggle with. Well, robots- Whether it's chatbots, uh, search engines, it doesn't matter. They struggle with context and nuance. And honestly, I don't think that they can learn it and be a robot. Well, they lack emotion. Well, it's not even emotion so much. It's literally just context and nuance. It, it, it's, it's not alive, and it never will be. So how can it learn context or nuance? Yeah, it's like 2 plus 2 equals 4 unless the 2, pl- the two and the 2 are two males and two females right and then it either equals zero four or an infinite number yeah it depends on how many new people those two pairs make Uh, and that's the thing that we know robots are scary like there's all these robotics things coming out one most of them are overblown like how many people have claimed that this borderline embarrassing overblown search engine that's just a chat bot is the new ai and it's conscious and it's going to attack all of humanity oh no it's fear would fear it? even it, if it were why would it yeah it, but here, here's another thing that that terrifies people and it's it's been worked into like science fiction movies the robot that is emotional but the robot that's emotional is no longer using logic it is this is the danger of just emotion being emotionally driven and only emotionally driven. These two things have to come together. So we're not arguing against logic. We're not arguing against emotion or, and the thing is these, these two things have to work together under the guidance of consciousness, which allows us to understand context and nuance. If we don't have all these pieces, some very dangerous things can happen. If you don't believe me look at the people that's in charge right now oh yeah people are missing pieces oh yeah if you have no control over your emotions then you're just too erratic to get anything done but if you have no emotions in your pure logic you become absolutely freaking both are monsters in the making they're just two different kinds of monsters you need both to be human requires both and that's something that's explored in the automatons. Right. And it's fascinating with how the automatons tend to work because they don't know how certain things work. You know, like they'll find like a, a diamond ring in a box and like, oh, that's neat, and throw the diamond ring away and keep the box. Yeah. Well, and it's because it's missing context. It is using just logic. The diamond ring 
how useful is that? The diamond, maybe the ring, maybe for some some other application. But the very the most useful thing in that scenario is the box because the box can be used for many things. Yes, and it's bec- and without the cultural context of diamonds are valuable, the box is far more valuable. Right, because the diamond is only useful for particular industrial purposes that's it or not other than that it's pretty well and automatons actually because you found this out kind of messing with the algorithm are a little like fey in their they're, kind of you they, everything is very literal yes very literal and they kind of have a this innocence and lack of context like uh, the movie labyrinth hoggle loves the fact that he can get plastic jewelry because from his perspective, plastic is actually more valuable. Because it's so th- rare. Yes. It's neat. It's unique. Yes. It's something humans made. Isn't that fascinating? Whereas gems are just gems. He's got... Uh, He's got mountains of gems. Yeah. Gems are everywhere. Yeah. They're easy to get. They're common. Plastic, on the other hand. Oh. In the, in the realm of Fae, yes. It's spe- and specifically because we made it. Yes. How interesting. Well, and that's the... It's these little things that end up adding up. And I think that's part of the reason free will has. We often debate as a people whether or not we actually have free will. Do we actually have free will? Are we just basically following a biological programming? Here's the reality. Much like justice, duty, honor, nobility. These things don't exist physically. You can't find one atom of mercy, one molecule of justice, any of that. But we make it by believing in it. And I think that's part of the reason free will is such a valued concept to us is the very fact that we believe in it is what makes it real. Well, that's why we have to exercise these things. We have to will them into existence. Because if you don't will yourself to have free will, somebody else will do it for you. Well, and it's even tied into or our... Or rather, they'll take it from you. Well, it's even in, tied into last week's podcast, Weirdcraft, because how do you contort the weird? Well, most of the time, it's on accident. But a few people can actually figure out how to exert their will to mm-hmm. do something that seems impossible, to make the improbable common. And it, how do they do it? By exerting their will, by having a strong force of will. That is one of the most valued things to our people is the concept of will, a strong will, a powerful will, the will to do what one must, the will to make difficult choices. These are aspects we try to find in kings and gods and heroes and people we love and adore. It's something that all of our traditional ways encourage in our youth to have a strong will. It's an admirable quality. Someone who just goes around and does whatever everyone says, they're looked down upon. They're loathed. doesn't matter how nice they are. Well, there's a couple examples, and they appear to be opposites. Like the movie Yes Man. Well, just say yes. Say yes. This will be an exertion of free will. It's not. Because it'll get you out of your comfort zone and get you doing uncomfortable things. This is true to a point. Like everything, it's to a point. It's about balance. It's always about balance. I did a video where I gave people, at the time, the most valuable lesson that I think I could teach them or gift I could give them, which was the, the word no. Say no and mean it. But that doesn't mean to use the word no to keep from new experiences, to stay in your safe little bubble. No, 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 no. That's not at all what it means. It means to say no to things that are going to be detrimental, like just flat detrimental. It has nothing. You need a balance because to say no too much is not to exert your free will. To say yes all the time is not exerting your free will. You need to know when to say each. Well, and I think this comes back to one of our people's greatest fears, the inability to exert our own will, Mm -hmm. a a cage, whether gilded or not, to be tied up and tied down with chains, whether imaginary or real. 
Yeah, it kind of reminds me of this one story of a, a Spartan kid. They, they capture the, another Greek city-state captures the Spartan kid and starts raising him to be a slave. Spartan child is told to fetch a glass of water. Rather than let himself be a slave, the Spartan child bangs his head against the wall till it kills him. Yeah. Because he would rather be dead than be a slave, than to lack the free will to make his own decisions. The autonomy of being free. And it's scary. That's another part of these stories of the automatons. It's scary. A, a lot of them, uh, a lot of the stories involve, s- some are, they're created and they're set free and they immediately get to friends like Gulenbursty with, with Frere, right? But you have other ones where the automaton has been forgotten in a closet and it's absolutely terrified. And then you get it to not be terrified. This is another version of that. Life's confusing. It's difficult. That's what we do here is we we talk about these topics, sort them out in a way that makes sense to our people. There is no simple answers. No, there's never a simple answer. It's like we say all the time. There is no black and white. There are the shades of green. That's the reality. When it... Something as simple as robots and automatons. Something that most people wouldn't even remotely associate with mythology, with folklore. But there's so much to gleam just from this small bit, this small microcosm of the very conception of free will versus servitude. And that these two words... Well, have, and it's not even servitude. It's unwilling or un. Uh, what's the other word uh, where you're unaware that you're being a servant um, unwitting there you go unwitting servitude well and the fact that these two words one that is incredibly positive to imbue with free will to move of one's free will versus one that means slave and the fact that these two words have come to mean the same thing is probably one of the worst most horrifying examples of language conflation I've ever seen Mm-hmm. And it explains part of the reason we're so janky because it's not uncommon for concepts that are so integral to us to be tried to tried to be given to other things like we don't fear our dead. That, that's a more modern thing they try to force. But people have tried to claim that the church is the reason that we have ancestor veneration. And before that, the pagans, all all of our ancestors before the coming of the church were terrified of the dead. They feared them. And the same is true of free will. They'll try to claim that our ancestors before the coming of the church didn't have a concept of free will when we very clearly did. And it's these misrepresentations, these contortions that start to strip us of our free will, of our beliefs, of our ability to choose our own destiny and to be a part of all of our people. And it's the same thing that the Chinese are going through. It's the same thing that everyone that's trying to get back to who they are is going through is trying to parse out the distortion from the reality of who they are in the end the the people that's in big air quotes here power they don't have everything they want everything but they can't have everything life just doesn't work that way that's why they want us all all the peoples of the planet to believe that we're all the same Removing who we are at our core, muddy it up so that they don't, they don't remember who they were. Make them scared of things that they weren't scared of, or when they, they we can't make them scared of something, make them believe that this is why they're not scared is because of the wonders of the current day, and they can't have that without us. If they have everything, why the hell are they worried about what we do? Why the hell are they worried about the change rattling around in our pockets in the back seat of our car? Why are they worried that we might make friends in real life? Why are they trying to scare the shit out of everybody? Why are they trying to make us believe we were nothing but animals before they came along and raised us up out of the mud? Because they want robots. They, they want, need robots. They need meat puppets. Once upon a time. Servant didn't used to mean what it does now. You might have a great chieftain. 
and his servant, his, his butler, his bodyguard. Oh, that's your servant. He must do what you say. Great chieftain laughs. He's like, if I tried telling that man what to do, he'd cut my head off. Well, it's like the, the great crones, the great grandmothers of our people, the women that would hold her hair and guard her were some of the most dangerous, important women in they the village. They chose to serve because they love, because they respect this individual. They aren't made to serve. This is a foreign concept. That's why we argue. Uh, regular people will argue against, while they're arguing for it, they will turn around and argue for it. Oh, they were servants, so they had to, and that's why we can't have servants. You're right in that context, but you're using the wrong words, the wrong context for the words. To serve willingly is something that we all, basically we all want it. We want somebody to serve. A husband wants a wife to serve because he loves her. A wife wants a husband to serve because she loves him. They want children that they can serve because they love their children. They hope that their children will serve them because the children love them in return. Serve and servant is not at all what people think it is. To it do is inherently so natural to us to serve people that we care about. It is to do something for someone else, preferably of because your own you free will. Because you want to, yes. And exactly. that's the thing is, there is nothing wrong with doing something for someone else. Well, and that's kind of why we dream of automatons. That's another part of it is the automatons, they are our friends because they want to be, not because they're programmed to be. And that's kind of what we want. There's also the, the concept of with an automaton, there is no malicious intent. So there's no um, duplicity. Like somebody pretending to be your friend because they want to ride your motorcycle or whatever. Or because they're hoping that you'll give them some money because you have a lot of money. With an automaton, we don't need to worry about that because we know this means nothing to the automaton. It's all innocent. It's it's open it it is what it appears to be well and and there are only two things i know of that can pretty much guarantee the audience will cry when it dies in a movie a dog an automaton and it's because they're both innocent beings that are friends and in many cases heroes for us for completely selfless reasons i know some people are like dogs only do it for the food maybe for other races but when dogs will be loyal to homeless people and get on a bus and go to a completely different part of town and then instead of eating the food they're given at like a, a posh restaurant get back on the bus and then take it to their human to split it even if the dog is clearly not eating well and those two will take care of each other immensely this is our nature we love each other. We love our friends. We love our families. We want to want to do things for them. And unfortunately, there are many people that have given up their right to choose. And once it's no longer a choice, then it's just slavery. Yeah. Even if you are doing something for someone because you love them, at a certain point, it becomes you're doing it because you're told to, not because you want to, not because you're not for any real reason. And I think that's part of the, the most disgusting concepts to us. It's why sometimes people can do the nicest thing and people hate them for it. All right. Um, we've over, actually overshot by a couple few minutes. So, yeah, this topic is absolutely massive. Hopefully, we'll, I'm sure that we'll revisit it at some point. Yeah, I'm out. And uh, make sure to check us out on Telegram. And hopefully you guys see fit to support us on Patreon so that we can keep doing this, getting better and doing more things. All right. I'm all, I'll see you guys. I think it's next week. And I'll just say everyone remember the lessons of the automatons and make sure that you have no strings on these.